Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast. Today, we're talking about James Gunn's new plan for the DCCU, a certain king is back to sell you propane and propane accessories, and Star Wars Visions is going global. All this and everything else that happened this week in Geek. Hey, it's Nate, and if you're joining us for the first time, we are Geekcentric, a podcast celebrating the world of movies, TV shows, toys, collectibles, gaming, and all things Geekcentric. Joining me for This Week in Geek, we have the jacket-wearing, jousting javelin man, Justin, the juicy propane lighter Lawrence. How you doing? Wow, that's that's a badass wrestling name, too. <laughs> juicy <laughs> propane. <laughs> propane I like lighter. It, yeah, I like it. I like it. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you? Are you a propane man or a butane man? What do you what do you, what do you go with? I really don't know. <laughs> Neither do I. I just looked up these words. I, I probably would go with propane. Okay. I don't know what's better for the environment. Is probably really the question. probably neither. <laughs> Yeah. Probably. If you know, listen, if you're if you're uh, like one of the main characters of something we're going to be talking about later, uh, please write in and let us know your thoughts on butane or propane. But Justin, uh, before we get to, you know, sort of the, the main news, uh, we did have some breaking news that I sent you mm. um, that we all got very sad about. Um, and this comes from Dominic Mossbergen of the Wall Street Journal, uh, who writes... Dangerous fungal infections are on the rise, and a growing body of research suggests warmer temperatures might be a culprit. Uh, the human body's average temperature of 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit has long been too hot for most fungi to thrive, infectious disease specialists say. But as temperatures have risen globally, some fungi might be adapt adapting uh, to endure more heat stress, including conditions within the human body, research suggests. Climate change might also be creating conditions for some disease-causing fungi to expand their geographical range, research shows. Justin, the research is showing us that The Last of Us is coming true. Uh, is this, is this, like, is this real? This is Wall Street Journal, or is this, like, just some really great marketing for HBO? Yeah, I, I think this is obviously real. We've talked about it on our Watch Club. There's a lot of science that's going mm -hmm. into justifying, you know, how the cordyceps spread and the impact it has. Um, but that said, obviously, this article is very timely. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, other outlets like IGN, uh, Comic Book Movie, yeah. they, they posted this story and were just like, whoa, this is crazy. And I think it just goes to show it's another layer to how the series The Last of Us is really tapping into what's going on in the real world you know it is dealing with an exaggerated situation of, of a pandemic that has broken the world which we've just lived through and now we have this article that kind of supports mm -hmm. the science behind how this thing spreads so i don't know it, it's just another one of those things that reminds us that we're not that far off <laughs> no dude and that's the scary part it's like you know i think when we think of you know uh stories from the past predicting the future you know we think of usually it's it's fun technology related things right you think mm. back to to the jetsons right or star trek and you're like oh yeah they thought we would have all this stuff and like some of it we do have 
this is not one of those things that no, I don't think anyone played The Last of Us and was like, oh, I can't wait for that to come true. <laughs> like, it's just, I don't know, man. I'm, it's, it's freaky. It's, it's scary. I was reading, I can't remember where I was reading it, but it's not necessarily cordyceps. Um, they were talking about, I can't, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation here, but like, they're oidioceps or something like that. But it, it's, mm-hmm. it looks so similar. It sounds so similar. It's just one of those things where I'm just like, is was this a story that that maybe the Wall Street Journal is they they've known about for a while or has been floating around for a while and like okay this is the time to fire this headline out because the story itself like from from Dominique unless it's like unless I just didn't get the whole story because I'm not subscribed to the Wall Street Journal but uh, like it's pretty short you know what I mean so it's like it I, is. again it's one of those things where I'm like Okay, I'm going to need more information here, Dominique, mm-hmm. please. Yeah, no, I totally agree. The article was short, and I, and I was wondering the same thing. Do I need to subscribe to the Wall Street Journal to actually get the the, the full article? But no, I, I think you might be right. I think this could have been something that they didn't necessarily run right off the bat, and probably because of The Last of Us, uh, they, they decided to run it. Who knows? I, you know, If anyone knows, let us know. Listen, I, I think it's... Um you know, hopefully, hopefully we can, we can, you know, we've, we've gone through one pandemic. Maybe we can try to avoid another, uh, as we keep going here. So a bit of a downer note, but listen, Justin, between now and, and the, the fungi outbreak, uh, hopefully we get to experience some of the things we're going to be talking about. Let's actually get to the news. It's all about the details. Alrighty, this uh, this first story comes from Rob Salkowitz of Forbes, uh, who writes, DC Universe unveils James Gunn's plan for Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, and more. Uh, it didn't take long for James Gunn and Peter Safran, the new ch- co-chairman of CEO and CEOs of Warner Bros. Discovery's WBD um, DC Studios, to show the world that the DC Universe is headed in a different direction. The studio today, and we're recording this a little bit later and putting it out a little bit later, but we have to talk about this, um, announced an ambitious slate of 10 new films, uh, TV, and animation projects uh, under the pair's creative direction centered on the theme of God's and monsters. The Keystone Project mm-hmm. is Gunn's big reboot of Superman titled Superman Legacy, which is headed for the screen on July 11th, 2025. The film will explore the familiar theme uh, in the Superman canon, uh, the balance between Kal-El's alien origins and human upbringing. Superman Legacy, uh, this is a quote from, from I believe, Gunn himself. Um, Superman Legacy is the true foundation of our creative vision for the DC Universe. Not only is Superman an iconic part of DC lore, he is also a favorite character for comic book readers, viewers of earlier movies, and fans around the world. I can't wait to introduce our version of Superman, who audiences will be able to follow and get to know across films, movies, animation, and gaming. Moving to a soup... So that's the end of the quote. Moving to a soup-centric model uh, is a big but natural step for DC after relying on Batman as the main tentpole since the late 1980s. Uh, But fans of the Dark Knight need not despair. The Batman Part 2, following 2022's gothic version starring Robert Pattinson, will follow in September 2025. The upcoming slate of new films reaches deeper into the DC catalog, bringing forward properties like The Authority, 
Booster Gold, and Creature Commandos, alongside known or previously established characters like Supergirl, Green Lantern, Swamp Thing, and the Suicide Squad's Amanda Waller. The latter, with Viola Davis, uh, we're told, is reprising the role uh, as the no-nonsense director of the secret organization Argus from the, Super, from the Suicide Squad, Peacemaker, and Black Adam. Uh, and she appears to have a prominent role in the relaunched film universe. Quote, as we craft the plan for DC Studios, we are thrilled to share with fans the first 10 stories they can expect from the unified DC universe, featuring some of our most well-known characters, as well as the next generation of marquee characters, said Safran. Chapter 1 tells cohesive stories that highlight love, compassion, and the innate goodness of the human spirit, all designed to minimize audience confusion and maximize audience engagement across platforms. So, Justin... Uh, let's talk about this. Let's. I want to go through uh, the list of projects that were announced. If you want, maybe we'll talk about them one at a time. Um, so let's sure. start with the films. Uh, Superman Legacy, I think the biggest one uh, that you know is going to kind of really be, I think, the, the thing that I think everyone is really waiting to see is how do they move forward with Superman? This is going to be written by Gunn, uh, and the movie is coming out, well, supposed to be coming out, uh, and all of these, I'm thinking we're going to put a little asterisk of supposed to be happening on July 11th, 2025, is what I have here. Yeah, there's no dates attached to everything else, though. That's the only movie, sure. that's the only one that has a date attached to it other than the Batman sequel for from Reeves, which will also be right. in 2025. So, mm -hmm. I think the, the studio's prerogative is to move forward with a a Superman story because that that is a character that they are seriously not capitalizing on. Um, they have kind of left to the wind, and it's clear people want a Superman movie and something new, something fresh, uh, something that is is outside of of the Snyderverse, if you will. But some people also really do want that Snyderverse. That's that's for sure. Already. People hashtagging fire gun, you know, it's, oh, just, it's so stupid. It is it's stupid. I, I think it's well, dumb. here's the thing. Here's the thing. Cavill was a great Superman, is a great Superman. Yeah. Um, if you're listening to this and you are a hardcore DC fan, grew up with the comic books and all that stuff. I am not that. And so take this with a big grain of salt. But I'm sorry. Take the win here. Take the win. There's so many people online, as the Internet does, complaining about this news and you've got this this you know i would say really phenomenal filmmaker james gunn who's made some great movies in in a you know a lot of movies that you probably would enjoy as a dc fan uh you know in coming over to the marvel side that that you know he's he's great he's fantastic he's got a vision he's got an idea He's got he's got sort of a plan, whereas it just never felt like we ever had a plan before other than the ideas of let's just do what Marvel did. Right. So exactly. so take the win here. Stop. Don't complain. We, 2025. Is that the earliest that we're going to be seeing some of these projects? Yeah. Well, they've, they have said they've gone on the record of saying these these 10. It'll always be two movies and two shows a year. Right. So, you know, I think 2025 is obviously the earliest, the first thing that we're going to see from this from this list. Uh, we could see some of the animated series show up before. But again, kicking things off with Superman in 2025, which is two years away, uh, two and a half, I guess, if you, because they give a specific date, that's fine. Like, let's just get this thing going. And, and more information is going to come out. And it's great that Superman's part of chapter one. 
Um, yeah. You know, especially when it's titled Gods or and Monsters. Like Phase One, if they want to go with it. Yeah. Well, they... Yeah, but but they didn't go with it. They call oh, it chapter they one. They do call it chapter one. Reason. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They call it. He calls it chapter one. Uh, he called it chapter one in his video, Gods and Monsters. Right. Okay. Right? So it's yeah. So it's like it, you know the the reality is is that they're using this chapter approach as a way to structure how they're going to look at the larger story in the DC studio, and I think it's really smart for them to kick things off with Superman. Like, mm. They're not going the linear way. They're not doing each hero story leading to the Avengers. They're telling different stories. And a well-deserved and much-needed story that, that does focus on a younger Superman, which has me really excited. The comic apparently is really, really good. I'm, I'm trying to see if I can get a hold of it. It's funny, all of his inspiration that he posted for the comic, they're all top three bestsellers right now on, on Amazon. And they're oh, like, wow. You can go to a comic book store and you can get the, could we go digital? Could them? we find them digitally? Maybe you probably could find them on their DC comic app. Who knows? Um, but like, I, I'm I am interested in reading the source material because the one thing like you were saying about uh, James Gunn that's so accurate and true that he is a fan of yeah. of DC just as much as he is a of Marvel. But he's he's really a fan of DC as well, and I, I think that's key. Like that's that that's the season. That's the special part to Kevin Feige. He's a fan of Marvel comics, right. which is why he's able to dig through the treasure trove of unknown stories and, and comic issues that, that ran that tell really unique stories and bring them to the cinematic world, which is why I think that the selection that James Gunn and Peter Saffron have gone with for this first chapter makes sense. It's a little bit of everything. It's not the typical. Mm. It's not just your tentpole characters. It's a little bit of everything to build out this DC world. Well, you know, I think one of the things that kind of uh, caught me off guard a little bit and I was a little bit worried about is is just that that initial description of you know balancing his Kryptonian heritage with his human upbringing and you kind of think well we've we've already seen that quite a bit you know even for people that haven't really read the comics but have watched the movies have already seen that quite a bit but again knowing gun it, it's going to be different it's going to be different enough you know, that still gives you that origin story, but different enough that it's not going to feel like, oh, here here we go again, just the same story over and over again. Well, you could argue that the, that Man of Steel has much of the same themes that you're talking about and, and how that, you know, inevitably affects him to kill Zod. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen Man of Steel, <laughs> but I, I agree with you. I think what's really going to make this interesting is who's going to direct it, even if it is him, uh, who's going to star in it. Uh, I think that's that's the other thing. And then, you know, tonality is also going to be hugely important to this movie. Uh, you know, we know Gunn to have a very fun, eccentric, vibrant vibe. Uh, I don't know if that's really going to land with Superman. But again, he might not be directing this. He's just writing it. So it's really up to whoever's directing it to give it the tone that it needs. Right. And and I remember there was the, the Tennessee Coates, um, you know, black Superman movie. That they were also doing. Do we know Apparently if that, that's still that's that, still uh, going? Like what, yeah, we when we covered the the announcement that mm -hmm. Gunn and and uh, um, Saffron were taking over. Uh, apparently, I remember us reading out that that was still that was still in development. Whether whether it gets through, we'll we'll see. Right, if things get stalled. Um, but at the time of when we were reporting it. Uh, it seemed like that movie was was going to make its way through. But, you know, we are going to be having two versions of Batman with Matt Reeves version, you know, continuing and a new story. Um, so I'm wondering if we're going to have a, a bit of a multiversal situation. Right. Well, I mean, and that that brings us to the Batman two, uh, officially titled the Batman part two, 
September 25th, which I think mm-hmm. Gunn said very specifically, it's it's an Elseworlds DC. Mm-hmm. This is this is mm-hmm. and and I love that. I love the idea that that he's he's planning on on ostensibly and actually a lot of people are you know trying to uh do the Marvel approach. I actually think in this instance he's doing the Star Wars approach. Mm-hmm. Right? Where with mm-hmm. Star Wars we get things like visions which is is as you know not part of the canon. Right? And and we're you know we're going to be talking a little bit about that coming up, but 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 here, you know, we're going to be getting stories from other filmmakers, from other studios. Um, you know, Joker Folly Adu is going to be another one of those sort of not necessarily within this same Gunniverse or you know the 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 DCU the the traditional DCU uh, or DCCU, and so I think I think that's awesome. I think that's fantastic. But I also love the idea that they are going the Star Wars approach of saying every book, every game, every you know story, and and all the same actors. And that's an, another sort of interesting thing regarding the animation and the gaming side is you know. You know, are all of the actors that he's choosing are all of them going to be able to pull off the voice acting, the performance capture, right? Are all of them going to be able to do that? And 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 how does that work scheduling wise? Like that's one of those things where I was like, I was both excited and worried about it at the same time. But for sure, I think I think there's there's going to be some really big contract agreements to get some of these actors, right? Uh, maybe for some of those actors that are doing uh, gaming appearances and stuff like that. It's a couple voice lines here and there, maybe a scene that they need to film. Nothing huge, right? It's it, you know, it, it, there's like are you let's sure? say for well, I'm just saying for instance of like like I don't think they're going to do a Superman game, but I think that they'll have Superman appear in a game. So you get the guy who plays Superman to do the voice acting I... and to do the appearance of <sighs> Superman in the game so that it connects to the bigger universe. That's how I saw it. Really? Right? Like, like I see I see that like if they introduce let's say a character strictly through the game that inevitably finds itself in animated or in uh in in live action then yes they will get the voice actor or performance capture of that person or or whatever to to play that that character but i don't know if that's always the case right like look at like ashley Eckstein versus rosario dawson Mm -hmm. right like ashley Eckstein is great as ahsoka in the in the animated series she's fantastic i love her she's she's she is ahsoka right but now we have a new iteration of ahsoka in the live action that will be played by rosario dawson and is just as interesting um and and i'm you know very intrigued to see what her performance is going to be like inspired from Ashley Eckstein. So I you know, I don't know if it's always going I mean that's to what he work. said though, isn't it? That's what he said. He said the well, same he, people. He said he said the main thing is is that the movies and the show and the games will all have will all be tied together with the characters from the cinematic world, from the animated world, and from the video game world all tying together and being the same representation, whether that be the actors or voice performances. But more importantly, the stories are all going to tie together. Right. Right? So if you play a Suicide Squad game mm-hmm. from this new, you know, universe, maybe it ties into the movie Suicide Squad and it ties into, you know, a bigger story that's going on, right? Um, I enjoy that. I, I like that idea, that approach of with how they look at all of their properties holistically contributing to the one canon. I guess it's just one of those things where you you see sort of the you see you see both sides of it, right? You see the the mm-hmm. voice acting side um, where you've got voice actors that are being for the for the Hollywood uh, you know big blockbuster movies or shows are being replaced, uh, and then you've got 
sort of success stories like Merle Dandridge uh, with The Last of Us, right? Where mm. where she plays Marlene in both the game and in the show. And so yeah. it's one of those situations where like I personally, I would be so much more okay if we started mm-hmm. to see that. But again, it's going to be tricky because you're going to have to balance the idea of can this person be a good voice actor and a great actor? Um, and, and, and I will say they, usually that's the case, but it, are they always going to look the part? Are they always going to, you know what I mean? Like that's one of the best parts about voice acting is that you could be a completely different person playing a completely different character. Um, so again, we'll have to wait and see again. Uh, sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here. Let's keep going with. No, I, I get you. I get you. I totally agree with you. I think I, it would be nice if they can make it work. Yeah. Right. And and it, it sounds like that's their hopes. I'm very excited for is uh, just the connectivity through 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 animation from movies to TV shows and and gaming. It's just it's it's smart. Yeah. Well, let's keep going here. The Authority, uh, mm-hmm. Wildstorm characters will join the DCU as members of the authority uh, take matters into their own hands to do what they believe is right. Um, I'm not familiar with the authority or Wildstorm characters. Is this, a, just to clarify, is this a separate uh, comic book um, world that is is being brought in here? Um, well, I don't know anything about the authority. This is This is all new to me. But, you know, just looking at some of the, the stills from some of the comic books and and what was posted kind of reminds me a bit of something like the Watchmen, um, but with uh, a little bit more of maybe the boys okay. style. Yes. Um, in that, you know, it's it's more, it, it might be a little bit more R-rated. More of a tonality. mature take, yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I'm like you, I don't know much about this, but that's what I love about it. Like we're, he's, he's right off the bat. Like he's bringing you, yeah, we're going to get, you know, another Superman. We're going to get uh, another, you know, Batman, uh, movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hey, we're also going to introduce you to some new characters and, you know, the authority seems, it seems like very fitting to the, um, types of stories that, Gun would be would be interested in given you know he's done Guardians. Well, I was going to say prior to 2014, how many people loved the Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Like think about that, right? And so so from this standpoint, like if and but I I think the big thing is is like again all this stuff is 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 we hope it happens. I hope it happens. Um, the Brave and the Bold, uh, the DCU will introduce its Batman and Robin in this unusual father-son story inspired by Grant Morrison's comic series. Uh, so father-son story for Damian Batman. Wayne. Damian I can't Wayne. believe they're doing it. Yeah, they're <laughs> literally like, well, it's it's funny because I've always said that that Robin has always been treated as a bit of a joke character. You know, you go back to the 60s. He was a kid, you know, that was the sidekick who had like the funny catchphrases. And even when he made his way into live action and we found him in, you know, the Joel Schumacher movies, he was a bit of a, a jokester. There was a little bit more of a serious tone to to him. But I know in the Snyderverse, there was a story about the Joker killing, uh, you know, that universe's Robin and, and that affecting Bruce Wayne, played by Ben Affleck. Um, so, like, they haven't really done a, a good job at telling a Robin story. So I really like this idea of telling a different story 
making Robin based off of Damian Wayne, Bruce Wayne's son, which is interesting because uh, I think there's going to be some family drama. <laughs> for sure. Uh, and I think, you know, again, I, I, and, and I, I, keep in mind, uh, for anyone who's listening, like, I am not a DC geek at all. In terms of the some of the criticisms that I've been reading, people saying that this is not the right place to start Batman uh, at this point as as if this is the the start of Batman. But again, it's just one of those things where, like, I think Darcy, uh, one of our co-hosts, talks about it the best when he talks about how he loves the liberties that Marvel is taking in terms of the change-ups to the stories from the Marvel Comics universe to the MCU. And I think that needs to be something that all of us need to be on board with as we move forward. Mm. All of us need to be on board with the fact that you might be getting this story that is 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 heavily inspired from the story you know of the Brave and the Bold, but it could be there could be parts that are massively different about it. Mm-hmm. And you need to be on board. You need to be okay with it because you're still going to get, hopefully, if they're doing their job right, which I think James Gunn will, the essence of that story, but in a new way. And to me, that's mm-hmm. more exciting. We talk about it in our Last of Us Watch Club every single Sunday. You can catch our Last of Us Watch Club where we break down The Last of Us. But we talk about it every single week of mm-hmm. adaptation. And mm-hmm. that's what that's what I think we need to be a little more comfortable with moving forward. This sounds really exciting. And the idea, you're right, Justin, the idea of like a family drama situation with Batman is something that I've never seen on screen. And I'm totally down. And this brings back Talia al Ghul, Raz al Ghul, because uh, I think Wayne has a child with her, uh, and that is who Damien's mom is. So, spoiler alert for that. Um, but <laughs> I think, I think again, like to, what, to the point that you're saying, yeah, adaptation. We have to remember that adaptation is not directly copied from the source material. There's people that that choose to go that route with adaptation. Yep. But most of the time, when we're translating from book or comic book to a you know live action medium there are liberties there are things that are, are addressed to make things move a little bit faster and sometimes we as fans can agree or disagree but that said we should know that it's never going to be exactly the same it's not going to be a carbon copy and with that you know so many people think that like you said this isn't the way that you introduce you know your dcu batman why would you want to do that well what's to say what's to say any of the other ways worked Correct. Right. What's to say that what's to say that any of the other ways of how they how they've taken this approach has worked. So you want to look at Marvel and say, oh, well, you know, like Marvel did it right with their with their phase one. They introduced all the the, right. the, the big hitters, the heavy hitters and, and whatnot. And it's like, well, that worked for them 15 years ago when all of this was just an idea. There was an idea. Right. Like <laughs> Nick Fury says. So, you know, for for Gunn to come in here and say, let's just let's just mix it up. You know, what I mean, let's give them you know, a Superman. Let's give them that sequel to Batman. Let's tell them a new story of Batman. Let's also give them a Green Lantern because everybody has been wanting more lanterns. And that's the other aspect to it is that James Gunn didn't come out and say, we are the only ones making a Batman movie. No, you're going to get other Batman stories. You're going to get more Batman. I'm assuming you're, I'm honestly thinking you'll get another Batman story even outside of the DCU and outside of you know the we'll Batman. Get, we'll get another Superman story too. Absolutely, like right? With JJ JJ Abrams working on it, and and like it's just one of those things where I again cool your jets. 
enjoy the ride. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's talk about Supergirl. Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. Uh, the science fiction adventure will be based on the on Tom King's amazing award winning recent comic series. Presents Supergirl viewers something they are not used to seeing. Um, and I think James Gunn has come out and talked about the idea that like this is you know Supergirl seeing her world breaking and crumbling around her, uh, which sounds you know super dark. Um, I'm I'm intrigued. I honestly. I literally know nothing of Supergirl, so I'm very intrigued to, to well, see she's what this turns out to be. She's the cousin of, uh, she's the cousin of 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 uh, of Superman, yeah, or Kal-El, um, and that's their their familial relationship. Okay, uh, I don't know if they've ever explained how she got off the planet, but I like that. While this first chapter is giving us a Superman story, it's also giving us a Supergirl story um, that. As you said, it seems to be rooted in, in a real dark sort of traumatic uh, event that I think obviously is going to be character defining for for her as a hero um, and maybe plays into the larger story, the the big thing that they're they're trying to tie to. Um, I've heard nothing but great things. This is actually a comic that I did hear about uh, that I, I just never have have read because like you said, like I'm not really a DC fan. I, granted, I've fallen out of comics altogether, right? Uh, I sometimes read them digitally uh, when when there piques my interest, but you know, I'm not necessarily on top of it like someone like our our our, uh, our resident comic geek Darcy sure um, he's he's very much more into it well and I also wanted to to just quickly mention the idea that like what if you know it doesn't mean that you're not going to get new comic book stories as well but I do love the idea that there's going to be maybe a little stamp right I think in in Gunn's initial uh, mention it was Saffron or one of the two of them said we want to make it streamlined we want to make it easy for 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 you know viewers and fans to to follow and i think you how sick would it be if there was like sure there's the comic book runs that are going to keep happening but then there's also these comic book runs that are going to be have a specific label on them that are going to say this is canon to the movies to the games uh that you are are enjoying uh from the dcu at large like i think that would be really really cool um yeah swamp thing uh, the film investigates dark mm. origins of Swamp Thing. And Justin, who did you say they were looking at potentially for? James Mangold. James Mangold. <laughs> he retweeted a photo of Swamp Thing from one of the retro comics, and, and James Gunn retweeted it. And I think actually Big Screen Lakes was was also just kind of hinting at the fact that, um, yeah, James Mangold wants to work with uh, James Gunn at DC. I think that that's been known. Like once it was announced, mm-hmm. That James Gunn was working with Peter Saffron to head up DC Studios. G- I think James Mangold had made mention that he wanted to work with so cool with uh, James Gunn, which is great. Oh man, I-, I would love to see him do a Swamp Thing, and we we've already had uh, uh, Man Thing right in the MCU. Yeah. Uh, so now we're gonna get Swamp Thing, which is on a different level. But there was always meant to be a movie made from Guillermo del Toro. I'd love to see if if they resurrect his script or you know his approach and maybe he serves as a producer to a movie that James Mangold directs. That would be fucking wild. That would be sick. Let me just tell you. Yeah. Um but yeah, like this is this is interesting. This is uh definitely the monsters of, you know, monsters and gods, but I think that might also be a little subtext for maybe some other stories that could also involve monsters. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Uh on to TV here. Uh, all of these projects slated for HBO Max. 
Uh, and this one I'm actually really stoked for, dude. Creature Commandos. Yes. And I know nothing yeah. about Creature Commandos, but a seven-episode animated show in which Amanda Waller creates a black ops team out of monstrous prisoners. Uh, Gunn wrote all the episodes of the first season. Justin, Creature Commandos, what's your read on this? Well, like, I just want to just take a second here and just clap one out, applaud James Gunn. I just wrote seven episodes while I'm writing <laughs> a Superman movie and building a cinematic universe. Yeah. My God, I am very excited for, for this. Again, this seems right up James Gunn's alley with a sort of ragtag group. Uh, you know, he did it well with uh, Suicide Squad. This feels like it, it'll be very much like a spinoff for him mm -hmm. and his approach and how he can integrate animation and it'll be interesting to see what the rating will be for this this series because i could see them going very much a invincible route mm -hmm. like even the still that they had that they showed reminded me of like characters you'd see in invincible the amazon prime show so yeah i i think it's i think it looks it looks things looks wild looks cool it does look really cool like they're all sort of like monster type like there's a werewolf i think there's like a frankenstein looking guy um right and and i think the other aspect to it too is it reminded me uh a little bit of sort of the doom patrol uh and sort of how yes. they could write how that kind of could really work and and this could even i think translate into a live action uh hbo series right and and that's sort of the other way that they can go with this sort of stuff so i'm i'm very intrigued i i think the fact that we have waller uh, coming up, which I'm sure you're going to talk about yeah. uh, as well. But, you know, with Amanda Waller being integral to this animated series, mm -hmm. I don't think it's far-fetched to say that we would see some of these characters show up all, in the Waller series. Show up, yeah. in, show up in the Waller series rather than it suddenly just translate to a live action because he might just keep them in animated and use them as cameo characters throughout other shows. That's that's what's interesting, even from a video game perspective. You played the game as this character, but maybe in the live action world or even the animated, it's just a, a cameo appearance of that character, right? right? Uh, Waller, uh, starring Viola Davis, features Team Peacemaker uh, and will be written by Crystal Henry, uh, who did Watchmen and Jeremy Carver uh, from Supernatural, uh, which is two great, phenomenal gets there. Um, and again, a lot of fun. And I think the aspect of, you know, I think even just uh, Jeremy Car Carver working on Supernatural. Um, yeah, there's your monstrous get right there, right? Bring in some of those monsters mm -hmm. into the Waller series. I'm Horror sure vibes, he could yeah, totally yeah, handle yeah. it. Um, and then, you know, Crystal Henry for Watchmen. Like, what a banger <laughs> show. So, yeah, like, mm -hmm. I think that's a, a fantastic get as well. Like, that show is phenomenal. Um, and, uh, and yeah, man, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see sort of what comes of that and Viola mm -hmm. Davis. Like, oh, are you dude, kidding me? And, and the fact that they've been able to keep Viola Davis, the, this acting powerhouse who stayed consistent from yeah. the original Suicide Squad from David Ayer. She has been a constant through this DC cinematic universe. So I'm so glad that she's sticking with it. And I'm, I'm glad that James Gunn is, is keeping her on board as this character. Booster Gold. Uh, Booster Gold uses mm. basic technology from the future to pretend to be a superhero in present day. <laughs> I love that concept. Uh, I've not known of Booster Gold, but I've, I've all I've heard is that he's kind of a a bit of a douchey character. And it's it, but it's funny, Justin, because a lot of people are saying Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt, Chris Pratt online. Um, but Koi Jandro, uh, who's uh, frequents uh, new rock stars. I was seeing him online saying Billy Magnuson, which would be 
perfect from what I'm seeing, like from the imagery of Booster Gold, but even even the way he's described as sort of this like sort of douchey, like fake. It's perfect. It's perfect. Like no no offense to Billy Magnuson, but he plays those kind of characters really well. For sure. And he can he can be like over the top confident and cocky and, and whatnot. And I don't think Chris Pratt is the perfect choice for this character. I think the internet just kind of made their own assumptions given the fact that James Gunn said, oh, you know, Chris Pratt and I will be working together again after uh, their time together on, on Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. in the DC studio. So everyone was kind of losing it. And, and I see how people could make the connection between uh, Booster Gold and Pratt playing that character. But you know what? If Chris Pratt's going to play a character in James Gunn's DC studios, it's going to be different. It sure. could be something along the same lines as as how you know we were introduced to Nathan Fillion in Guardians 1 as uh, someone who was wearing prosthetics and was much more of a performance acting character with a voice. Um, I could see Chris Pratt lending his voice to an animated character or being some sort of a sideline character rather than front-facing. It would be very different. Okay, that would be fun. Like, go go really yeah. different with it. Um, For sure. Yeah. I think also uh, my go, my go. If he wants to go a little, like even just slightly younger, I would go with like a Doc Ray Montgomery, right? Stranger Things, like Billy from Stranger Things, I think would be a really interesting get there. Um, but now we're just starting to name um, blonde-haired actors. Uh, let's keep going here because this one sounds awesome. Lanterns, this enormous TV event, enormous TV event is how it's being described, uh, series follows intergalactic cops, John Stewart and Hal Jordan, as they uncover a dark mystery. Dude, on HBO, dark mystery show, but like Green Lanterns? With space Come on! and Green Lanterns? And like the pitch is like, this is a true detective. Like, I, I don't, like, I, sometimes I forget if that is a term or if it's a direct reference to the show, right. which I fucking love. Yeah. Like, I've watched season one three times <laughs> through, and, and, and it's so hard to get through sometimes, but the performances and the way it tells the story of the crime through time. Yeah. Over the course of time, the idea that like it's it it's not a case that's just cut and dry. Here's here here's the solve. It's you know they they get so immersed in it, and then years later they solve it. And that's kind of the the mentality with all three of three seasons is that cases go cold and they go long, um, and and detectives are still investigating them years and years later. And I think that's going to be kind of the case here because especially with Hal and John's their their difference in terms of time and approach, they could be from different points of time. Mm -hmm. Right. And investigating the same sort of case and their stories intertwine. So, yeah. And, and the fact that they've like you said, they use the words enormous and that it's in incredibly integral to the larger story that they're telling in this in this DCU. It's pretty wild. So, you know, I think it's it's it sounds like it's it's going to be one of the 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 influential uh, uh, series that that will help kick things off for the DCU. I hope so. In a direction of they're going big. I'm excited. I'm stoked for that. That, yeah. that sounds awesome. Sounds great. That one. I, that's the one I'm excited for. The I most, think so. For sure. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. I'm the same. I'm in the same boat there. Paradise Lost, uh, set in Themyscira, uh, home of the Amazons and birthplace of Wonder Woman. This drama focuses on the genesis and political intrigue of an island of all women, uh, Amazon women. So. That's that's intriguing. Uh, that's giving me Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon yeah. vibes, right? Like, yeah. but with with yeah. with Amazonians. Um, 
That's exactly what I thought when I read it too. It's the it's and and the fact that again with lanterns they reference True Detective. I think that might might be their point of reference for their go to for inspiration of like how can we relate this back to specific series or even give it a mood and a thought process that that feels different from anything else that kind of removes the superhero quality, right? So a hundred percent, this show sounds like it's it's going to be a political thriller uh, with with you know the the uh, Game of Thrones, you know, uh, seeking a power. I, I love it. I think it's such a cool idea because that was probably the most interesting parts of Themyscira is the fact that the, the politics of how things would work, right? Yeah. Who knows? What does that look like in, in a society that is is of all women? It, it could be really interesting. Women warriors too, man. Like, geez, you know you're going to get some wicked fight sequences in this show. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be fantastic. But the question is, it, it, are they going to talk about wonder woman does this take place mm. before her time mm. right there's still talks that gal gadot could be playing the character right uh they might just be taking a beat for a second before they decide to introduce her or how they introduce her or you know give her a bit of um a reboot if you will or do they uh, or, or you know we're obviously going to have main characters in this show so do they do they get fans behind a ostensibly a new wonder woman Right. That's that's not yeah. um, played by Gal Gadot. Right. So it's it'll be interesting Maybe. to sort of see how that how that all works out. I think the, well, the biggest thing that for yeah. me that this whole, you know, release this video that, that they put out uh, really did. I think this was an incredible saving swing for the Flash. James Gunn coming out and saying that the Flash is he's saying it's a phenomenal movie that resets the DCU that him just literally saying the line, this is the movie that resets everything and then sets the, the basically gives you the starting point of the new that is enough to bring audiences to a movie that probably never would have before. You know, I think for, for myself, it's one of those things where again, uh, we're not going to get into, to everything that's going on with Ezra Ezra Miller and, and what they're going through, but but the idea that that movie is is just so far gone at this point that it is the kickoff, the reset point, that uh, to me is intriguing enough to at least just see how they do that. Uh, and that that to me is this is this was incredible marketing for that movie from that one line alone. Yeah, it, it gets the seal of approval that you know it's worth checking out and. You know, it is going to play a part in resetting. You know, I'd still would drop Aquaman, honestly. I just don't know if it's really going to matter. Um, you know, it, it's clear Jason Momoa might be excited about what's next for the for the character or for some playing someone else. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe maybe this is this is the end of of that. But yeah, I, I'm interested in seeing how this next year for DC really plays in. You know, Shazam is is obviously up next. Got the new Shazam the trailer. trailer just dropped recently as well. Yeah, yeah. Which again, I, it just felt more or less the same of of what we know from the DC. But I'm at least more intrigued by you know Zachary Levy's character and, and the kids and the family, the sh- the Shazam fam, if you will. It's like you can watch the trailer and you can just be like, damn, like I already know how this movie's going to yeah. play out. And like that is something beyond just telling good stories that Warner needs to get in hand is is how you market these movies to at least create the intrigue and have the excitement without giving away everything. And and also how you're you know how they're talking about these new projects, 
how how are mm-hmm. they talking about these new projects and then still getting people excited about the stuff that might not matter might not matter we don't know right we so. don't know and we you know we we don't know how it's all going to play out so you know while i'm not necessarily overly excited for everything that's coming out this year for dc mm-hmm. i am very excited for what god has presented here and the direction that he's taking it and how it doesn't feel like it needs to be linear in any way it's just it's about just introducing the right stories in this first chapter to help expand and, and, and you know, tell more in later chapters. Maybe we get a reboot of, of Aquaman in chapter two. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, maybe we get a reboot of, of Wonder Woman in, in, that, in that story as well. So, you know, again, as he points out, no one can follow these movies or these stories. And, and it's like we need to make this more manageable and has to make sense for audiences so that they can actually appreciate it like they appreciate Marvel. So, you know, again, I always say in gun, we trust in gun. We trust Justin, you mentioned a uh, possible reboot of Aquaman. Aquaman, of course, is a king, but there's another king getting a reboot uh, and oh, we're moving uh, to the next news story. To the next yes. news story. Finally, <laughs> um, King of the Hill revival officially a go at Hulu. This comes from Leslie Goldberg at the Hollywood Reporter, who writes: Following years of rumors and speculation, King of the Hill is officially getting the reboot treatment at Hulu. Uh, the Disney-based, sorry, the Disney-backed streamer has handed out a straight-to-series order for a revival of the former Fox animated series from 20th, 20th Television Animation. Uh, it feels weird not to say 20th. Uh, 20th Century Studios. Um, But creators Mike Judge and Greg Daniels are set to return and executive produce alongside showrunner Saladin Patterson, uh, who did ABC's The Wonder Years, uh, and uh, original voice cast members Kathy Najimy, Stephen Root, Pamela Adlon, Johnny uh, Hardwick, and Lauren Tom. Uh, the reboot, <laughs> which has been rumored for years, has been in the works since Judge and Daniels reunited with the King of the Hill cast in 2017 at Sketchfest in San Francisco for the 20th anniversary of the beloved comedy. Quote, we are all so excited uh, to welcome back Hank, Peggy and Bobby uh, and to see what they have to say about the world we live in and continue the conversations we began years ago, said Craig Irwich uh, or Erwich president of ABC Entertainment, Hulu, and Disney-branded television streaming originals. Uh, quote, this show has all the perfect ingredients to meet the moments in animation, uh, sorry, to meet this moment in animation at Hulu. And we're so thankful to be having those conversations alongside this talented group. Uh, King of the Hill ran for 13 seasons on Fox starting in 1997. Um, Justin, you know, what are you? What are your thoughts on a King of the Hill reboot? And did you did you catch uh, what Craig sort of omitted uh, in 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 that quote there? Just you know, he said Hank, Peggy, and Bobby, uh, but I didn't hear anything about Luann. Uh, obviously, well, Luann was played by Brittany, Brittany Murphy, Murphy. So I don't. So they they're, they might address it, and they might actually pay respect to the character in a way that that you know honors it. But at the same time. They might not. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. That we'll we'll have to wait and see. But we know that the story's obviously gonna focus on 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 Hank, Peggy and and, and Bobby and um I welcome it. I think it's uh I'm very excited for it. I, I remember back in ninety seven when the show aired and I was like just into like sort of Beavis and Butthead just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not really. I didn't really always get it. But I was a huge Simpson fan. And obviously King of the Hill played 
uh, if I'm not mistaken, either I think after Simpsons. Yep. And usually, I would watch it. Yeah. Yeah, I would watch it, and I was actually really, really uh, blown away at how how funny it was. And years later, now, obviously, not being a kid, not you know, understanding a little bit more about society, understanding the sort of stereotypical nature of the the stories that they're telling. And some about, of the characters, you know, I think, country were and just you know, yeah, yeah. we're just. We're, I don't know if we'll see them in the reboot. The is what I'm trying to say. For sure, but they also might they they could bring back some of these these characters in in a way to point poke fun at at you know the themselves mm-hmm. as well as as sort of the, how the times they have they have changed right. Um, but I'm even just thinking about like his neighbor, right? Like they're the neighbors. There, there's been a push in animation, and I think you know obviously we're talking about 1997 here. There's been a a big push in animation. Oh yeah, his Asian neighbor. of of yeah. casting, yeah. you know, voice actors who are actually of that specific ethnicity for these roles. So you know, when it comes to bringing back, you know, it's not going to be a problem to bring back Kathy to Jimmy. But you know, obviously, I, I'm wondering, and I, I would I would applaud them if they were to potentially recast uh, a lot of you know some of these additional characters who weren't necessarily you know played by. Yeah, Toby Huss is a well-known actor now, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that they're going to recast, if anything. You can't have Toby Huss coming back and playing that character. That he, he's a, he has become quite the actor in, in the years, and I, I don't think he needs that on his name. And there might be a bit of regret there anyways. Yeah. Um, with that, you could still have Toby Huss come back as as a as someone else as someone else, sure. but I don't I don't think you can you can do that, especially given the fact that like you know Hank Azarian is no longer doing a poo. Correct, like a poo just doesn't exist anymore. And I think the, I think in, I think Simpsons. We've the world has has thankfully uh, <laughs> moved on from 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 doing that because sure. I think I think don't get me wrong I I do think it's important to to still you know I think I think the stories that that King of Hill the Hill can tell today and about today's society are are really interesting um but I, I again i do really believe that it it's it's important for yeah, them to, to to make some adjustments right. to make some changes for 2023 uh and hopefully we will see that happen um mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. another part of animation that i'm really excited for that is going oh, through yeah. some changes justin uh and i'm very stoked about the changes is star wars visions uh, Star Wars Visions Volume 2 arrives this May. This comes from Adele Anchors Range over at IGN, uh, who writes, Disney and Lucasfilm have announced details for the second volume of the animated anthology series, Star Wars Visions, which will premiere on Disney Plus on May 4th, a.k.a. Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. Volume 2 will feature nine animated shorts from nine different studios across the globe, which with each of uh, each one offering a new perspective on the storied mythos of Star Wars. Uh, the studios behind the shorts are El, uh, El Giri uh, from Spain, Cartoon Saloon from Ireland, Punk Robot from Chile, Ardman from, U- from the UK, Studio Mir from South Korea, Studio La Cache from France, 88 Pictures from India, Triggerfish from South Africa, The Art Stagio, uh, which is a Japanese studio working collaboration with Lucasfilm. So, Justin, they also revealed the titles and directors of mm-hmm. each short. 
Um, just before I get to that, let me just com complete this story here. The first volume of Star Wars Visions uh, comprised of nine shorts created by some of the most influential Japanese anime studios with story detailing with stories detailing what became of the Jedi, a rock opera, and more. But for its second season, the show is looking to go even bigger. In a statement, James Waugh, who is executive producing Volume 2 with uh, Jackie Lopez and Josh Rimes, reflected on Volume 1 and how it created the f a framework for a celebrity, sorry, for celebrity celebratory for celebratory expressions of the franchise that can be expanded mm. with each new installment with volume two we expanded our canvas to take audiences on a global tour of some of the most talented creators from around the world he said every short is incredible full of heart scope imagination and the values that make stories distinctly star wars all while opening up bold new ways of seeing what a star wars story can be um, you know, I, I'm, I'm super stoked about this. Let's look at the list here of the yeah. names, um, and each studio that's doing them. Um, and you know, we can kind of look at some of the reference, we can reference some of the work that maybe they've done, uh, in the past. So the first one that they, they announced titled just simply Sith, uh, this is from Studio Algieri, uh, writer, director, Rodrigo Blas, uh, Emmy award-winning director who has spent more than 20 years in animation. Um, Blast joined Blue Sky Studios. They worked on a film you might know, Ice Age, before transitioning into Pixar Animation Studios there. He worked on projects such as Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, Ratatouille, WALL-E, uh, and the Oscar-nominated film, short film La Luna. Uh, more recently, partnered with Guillermo del Toro to develop the award-winning series Troll Hunters, which I actually really enjoyed before I stopped watching it, um, and served as creative director for Micros Animation Paris, um, you know, he created Algiri Studios uh, in Madrid with his partner, Cecile Hoax. Uh, and they also wrote the tw 2009 award-winning short film, Alma. Um, Justin, The Sith. Is this one, is this one doing it for you? <laughs> oh, yeah. This one does it for me. And especially given the fact of how the, the, first, the first episode of Star Wars Vision Season 1 um, kind of begins with this sort of dark Sith-driven so story. Good. Um, so I think it, 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 it mirrors really well. I, I'm just excited for this whole thing, yeah. though, uh, in all honesty. You know, the whole story just gets me really hyped. Star Wars Visions mm -hmm. was a huge success. It was one of my favorite things because, again, the celebratory freedom that these studios had uh, where they didn't have to be bogged down by the canon, yeah. the idea that they don't need to worry about how their story slots in to the existing canon. It's just great. And, you know, taking this now, as, as they described, global, uh, you know, and, and hitting up these these more international studios. There's some really great work that that's out there. And, and, and it has me wondering if there's going to be maybe some stop motion options, mm. maybe like based on some of those. Yeah, let's talk about it. So Cartoon Saloon, uh, Screechers, mm -hmm. Screechers Reach is the name of the, the short uh, directed by mm -hmm. Paul Young who also mm -hmm. worked on the animated features My Father's Dragon uh, from Netflix, yep. Wolf Walkers from Apple TV+, Plus, um, yeah. and then a few other sort of uh, features. I know uh, one of the most sort of uh, award-winning ones was The Breadwinner, um, which was mm -hmm. an uh, award-winning short. Um, you know, I think the style here, very much that sort of flat uh, cartoon, sort of almost paper character sort of look, yeah. where two very two-dimensional. Yeah, yeah, very flat planes. Uh, everything just feels very pastel and, and painterly while also just defined with, you know, the, the line work. What's nice, though, about Cartoon Saloon is, is like their their look is very consistent from movie to movie. Yeah. 
right? Um, some of the other studios, they're, they're, there's a variety of different stuff that they've done. But at least here, it looks like, you know, more or less, we could, I could see a Star Wars story told in this world. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like that? Yeah. Yeah, it would make, it would look t- so good. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, you know what we'll do, um, and I'll try to remind you, Justin, but we'll put the links to these various studios where you can check out their reels, um, hopefully not while you're driving and listening to this, but you can check out their reels and sort of see some of the, the references that we're referring to, because this, again, this does look gorgeous. Um, I still want to watch My Father's Dragon. I, I think it's absolutely beautiful. Um, you know, Cartoon Saloon from Ireland, gotta love it. And, uh, and yeah, Screecher's Reach. I'm, I'm going to assume Screecher is a, is a, uh, a creature. I think Screecher is a creature, mm-hmm. and I think Screecher's reach is is going to sort of be a, a play on words here, uh, and I'm very, very intrigued by that. In the stars, Gabriel Osorio, uh, Punk Robot. Um, this one looks really interesting. Um, this is, you know, they've kind of uh, got sort of... Um, They've got a ton of different animation styles on their website. Um, yeah, from, from stop I, motion. a lot of it is 3D though. Yeah. A lot of it looks 3D with stop motion, right? So, like, they could give us something more CG. There's something on their in their portfolio called the the Magical Night of Gaspar, mm-hmm. um, and then everything else though in and around that looks very um, stop motion though. And I think that could be really interesting if if you know uh, if if they could actually bring that level of animation yeah. to star wars i would dig i'm it. really intrigued um yeah i'm very very intrigued by that um and speaking of stop motion ardman studios i am your mother mm-hmm. magdalena Osin- uh, osinska um i mean come on wallace and gromit star wars right are you kidding me well but like remember they've like if you again another studio our ardman studio like they've their their stuff is 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 ranged in terms of the types of animation but yeah you know like they could they could use the signature Wallace and Gromit style they could do claymation yeah. right which would be really interesting i think if anything some of these studios do look like they could give us a fresh animated take I'm so on excited. Star Wars. I'm so excited. It could be it could be yeah. really really cool. So, you know, whether whether they actually use the Gr- Wallace and Gromit style, I don't think they will. I don't I, really? I, I think that it, it'll probably I think so yeah, many people are expecting like, them to, so I really hope they do. I hope it, or I hope at the really, very least it's claymation. You know what I mean? Even if it doesn't yeah, look think, like a yeah. <laughs> it doesn't like a Gromit holding a lightsaber. You know what I mean? Like sure, make it make it claymation. Um Studio Mir, uh Hyungyun's uh park is going to be directing Journey to Darkhead, dude, or Journey to the Darkhead. Um, dude, okay, just do yourself a favor. Watch the Boondocks. Watch the Boondocks. Watch the Legend of Korra. Watch the Voltron series that was done with DreamWorks. Like, Guardians of the Galaxy, the, the animated series. Like, they have done some really, really beautiful stuff. Uh, another really good one on Netflix um, is Kipo and the Age of the Wonder Beasts. Um, like it's one of those things that I keep scrolling through all the different animation sections within Netflix. And there are just so many fantastic studios working on some great animation projects that I think are just getting, unfortunately buried underneath just the onslaught of other content on Netflix. Um, check that out. But yeah, the boondocks legend of Korra, like this, this sort of very sort of anime infused style. Um, I'm stoked for man. And, and just the idea of journey, to the dark head like that just sounds awesome um so yeah just more more of that please um we're almost done here the spy dancer julian chang studio uh la cachette um 
you know, I think one of the biggest ones that they've worked on that I know of is Gendy Tartakovsky's Primal, working alongside Gendy Tartakovsky. So, which Gendy Tartakovsky, Star Wars animation, already has that a callback, the right, with the original story. Clone Wars series. Yeah. For those who don't know, yeah. there was a Clone Wars series before the Dave Filoni series uh, that Gendy worked on, and it is amazing. Please take the time to jump on Disney+. Plus, Watch it. You can watch it in under, I think it's under two hours or under two and a half hours. It is fantastic, the entire series. And Primal is really, really great as well. So if that if that's Primal's what we're fantastic. looking at here, yeah. oh my gosh. Well, but again, we're not going to get, I don't know if we're going to get Gendy, Gendy obviously involved because he's, he's not credited. As sure, but Gendy, but Gendy didn't necessarily do the animation here, right? That's what I'm no, saying. He dis- he, sure, he designed the look of the right. characters and stuff like that, and then they animated yes. it. So the, the, and that's why I think a studio like uh like mendy here is it, it shows such a diverse range of looks is nothing is, is overly specific to to them other than maybe uh certain sort of elemental qualities mm. to it like i could see like some of their other looks really finding a way also just given what we got from star wars vision season one yeah. like not everything was like your your in your face anime it was it was very unique uh, to to other other styles that were very specific to them. They did love Death and Robots. Yeah, too. Dude. Oh, they man. did. Well, they did an episode of Love well, Death and Robots, episode, which was a yeah. great episode. It was called yeah. Sucker of Souls. It's a great episode. Um, the Bandits of Golak uh, by Ishan, uh, directed by Ishan Shukla, uh, eighty eight pictures. So I looked up some of their stuff. I'm the only thing I can see is um, there was a show called Rise of the, um, or sorry, it was Troll Hunters. Yeah, it's Troll Hunters that they they did i think it's called troll hunters or is it yeah yeah it's called troll hunters yes they did so they worked on troll hunters as well like they've done they've done a few things here um some uh, some sort of marketing reel for tom and jerry um again just any way that we can get more stories from around the world is is awesome here um well this is yeah. yeah and that's the other part that's really interesting too is is how each of these places that we're 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 traveling to there's a, there's a cultural uh uniqueness to it and how are they going to fuse that into the story right is it expected mm-hmm. of them to do that right because like this is a studio based out of india you know and it seems like they're working on a lot of content all across the world right it doesn't necessarily think you know there's nothing here that necessarily speaks super you know specific to indian culture other than the studio be- studio being based in india so you know with this director what's the approach right and does this studio now have this freedom to like do a story and, and animate a story that culturally speaks back to them. Absolutely. Right? That's what's cool. That's that it could become like a real like passion project. Well, I'm interested to see Owl's song uh, directed by uh, Nadia Dares and uh, Daniel Clark of Triggerfish, who is mm. also uh, they've also had the opportunity to work on uh, a part of a series that we had heard about a long time ago that was supposed to come out in 2022. Um, that is that is Highway Rat. No, uh, Kizazi Moto Generation Fire. Um, which mm. was the sort of short, uh, you know, anthology uh, that looked absolutely incredible. I'm really hoping that we're. It says it's still in production, so I'm hoping we do we do get that. Um, and that was supposed to be with Disney, um, but yeah, dude, Triggerfish. Their stuff looks absolutely stellar, um, and it's sort of this the, again, more of a, a CG animated look to it, um, but mm. kind of this. It just I don't know, man. It looks really well detailed. Really beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then this last one here, The Pit, 
uh, Leandre Thomas and Justin Ridge uh, for D'Art Chachio, um, which I believe they're partnering with Lucasfilm. Um, but looking at their stuff, again, it is speaking Tokyo. to Very more anime. of that anime style. They did, I think they worked with The Weeknd as well. They did a music video with The Weeknd, which is awesome. And I'm almost wondering if, if maybe if we're going to get a follow-up or a part two to any of the stories that we got in the first Visions, mm. if this is the studio that does it, you know what I mean? Like maybe that's how they sort of have a little bit of co- – because I remember when we did I our guess, review, we wanted, we're like, we want yeah. more of some of these stories. But I don't need a part two. Just I think it was just an, a testament to how unique each of these stories right. were in the first season and that they could stand the ground of being their own show, right? Um, any one of them could could have done that and and we would have welcomed it more but the idea that we are just brought to this one pocket of time and it's an anthology series and that nothing really is connected right and it's and it's more about the uh, the mythos of of star wars that that really does keep everything connected um that to me is is like that is again the celebratory quality of this show right of this of this series so with season two i hope they don't really revisit anything uh, okay. I hope they just continue to tell stories. more stories and just, you know, go go wild with it. Do do something different cuz that that is what definitely worked for for Star Wars Visions is is being different with with the canon and not being so rigid and yeah, I am so ex- I think this will probably be one of the mo- my most anticipated shows for this year for sure. I'm excited to see what this is going to be. You about. know, I think we got Tales of the Jedi uh late last year and this is this is the this is the Star Wars that, you know, Bad Batch is absolutely a lot of fun and, and we're talking about it weekly, but you're right. Yeah, I do think this it's this, different. this is the, for me, this is the Tales of the Jedi of 2023 uh, or the Star Wars Visions of 2023. Um, and by the way, I'm a little distracted, sorry, because the animated music video for Snow Child uh, that you can find on the weekend's YouTube page is awesome. Uh, and that is done by <laughs> that same studio. So uh, very excited. Uh, I cannot wait for May the 4th. We've got so much great Star Wars content. As I said, The Bad Batch is already underway. Mando Season 3 is going to be coming up uh, next. And then in May, we'll be celebrating with Visions. Do you think... I think... I'm hoping I get to see... Maybe I get to see one of these shorts uh, at Star Wars Celebration. Uh, And if I do, I'll be reporting back for sure. For sure. You you probably will, yeah. uh, unless, of course, we're in luck of being a part of any early uh, screening access, which which could be the case. And, of course, we want to talk about it because, you know, as we've just outlined here, there are so many studios from around the world with unique voices and unique perspectives. And it'll be interesting to see how Star Wars Vision kind of accumulates all of these perspectives and tell some new stories uh yeah i think it's safe to say you'll probably get some episodes and we will be definitely i think just like we did with uh, with the first season of star wars visions we will be going through and uh and going through a big nice little spoiler filled review uh maybe a spoiler free and a spoiler filled yeah yep. we'll spoiler free and f- and filled for sure we did it last time we'll do it very again. cool well listen this was a mega episode of news with both the dc uh, you announcements as well as these this Star Wars Visions announcement and a little bit about King of the Hill coming back. Uh, so we don't have, Bobby. We, Bobby, we don't have a, a trailer time this week. Um, and I think another big aspect to that too is the Super Bowl uh, is going to be coming up for next week. Hopefully, we get some heavy hitter trailers. 
uh, during the Super Bowl. I'm looking at you, Marvel. You know, I'm hoping we get something. Um, the Marvels, uh, but we will have to wait and see. Justin, as we wrap up uh, this this uh, this week in geek here uh, for February, what um, whatcha? You know, we haven't done that in a while. Whatcha? Oh God, whatcha? Well, um, I haven't had much time to watch anything else uh, other than the stuff that is related to what we've been covering. Um, and I know you know we have been watching The Last of Us because we got those episodes early, uh, which is why you need to check out our Watch Club every Sunday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Time right after the show airs on HBO Max and uh, Crave here in Canada. So you can literally watch the episode and then immediately hang out with us. Yeah, yeah. and then listen. And there's a lot of podcasts out there that yes. are doing it. I'm just glad we're part of those that conversation Absolutely. and we get to just offer our own thoughts because you're a super fan of the game. I'm a fan mm-hmm. of the game. Um, and um, But I'm really excited for people to hear our thoughts and uh, you know to hear what other people are going to finally say about some of the stuff that we've, we've seen. Um, but huge thanks to Crave Canada for, for giving us that early access because it uh, really means a lot. And again, it just allows us to be a part of the conversation amongst so many people that are 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 doing it and that we're extremely grateful absolutely for. yeah 100 percent um yeah last of us hbo i dive back into last of us part part one uh on on ps5 nice. been really digging it enjoying playing through that again um and uh and then i i you know we've got something that we we watch we're not quite ready to talk about just yet but justin a show that i've already binged the entire first season of is on disney plus <laughs> through hulu and it's not quite a superhero show, but it's a superpower show called mm. Extraordinary. Justin, yes, I've heard about this. Created by Emma Mor- uh, Moran, and it's it's about a group of twenty somethings who live together in a flat in London, set in a world where at the age of eighteen, most people inherit a superpower. Uh, and the show mainly follows Jen, who's twenty five and still hasn't been granted her power. And dude, I'm telling you, the show is hilarious. It doesn't it, it doesn't go to the dark places that the boys goes to, but comedically, it is as funny uh, as the boys. It's a British yes. humor, though. Oh, right? absolutely. Like it's, it's definitely of, of that style. Yeah, I've heard I've heard great things about the Justin. Show. It's gotten incredible reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Um and, and I gotta say, dude, like the the powers are so funny. Like there's a guy who has laser eyes, but they're just laser pointers. They're just laser pointers. Um, there is there is probably my favorite one is Jen's mom literally has the power to control technology by touching it, and yet she still can't figure out how to use it. Like she still does. Like she can <laughs> she can hold an iPad and hack it and do all these things to it. But she's like, I how do I? And <laughs> Jen's like, No, oh, mom, no, mom, you just I have to. No, this. mom, you just have to go back. No, mom, just. It's so so good. You got to check it out. That's um, awesome. It's a really awesome. really really it's funny fantastic. show, and they've been greenlit for a second season, even before the first season mm-hmm. uh, aired, and it's it's all out now on Disney Plus. So definitely go check it out. That is it. We hope you enjoyed This Week in Geek. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts on this week's news or any of the content we cover here, well, I'm going to hire James Gunn to run the GCCU. That's the Geek-Centric Cinematic Universe. uh, So that he can write an actual good movie about Justin, where he lets you know how you can reach oh, us. Oh, I would read that in a heartbeat. Uh, they can reach us yeah, at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or they can reach out to us on Twitter at GeekCentricYT or on Instagram at WeAreGeekCentric. Who are we getting to play, Justin? 
Who's playing Justin? I don't know. Let's, Come on. I can't I can't think on the spot like that. Uh, Tom Cruise Dan Levy. Justin. Dan Levy. Dan Levy. Okay. I like it. I like it. Okay, I can see it. That's interesting. For me, um, you know what? As long as it's not, um, you know, I'll take a Jack Black if you want to have some fun there. A lot of people, a lot of people want to put me as a James Corden. Uh, listen. Oh really? No. Yeah. No, I don't want to. Don't I do that. I could see you I'm dressed so as a cat. I could see you dressed as a cat. Oh my gosh, Doing Justin. a musical in a cat outfit. That that actually no. works for you. Come on, it's not. (laughs) Keep in mind, we have a ton of other episodes covering the latest in movies and TV shows and games, including our recent spoiler-free review for the Apple TV Plus original series, Shrinking. And we have an interview with uh, Luke Tenney, who plays Sean on the show. And Luke discusses his similarities to his character, as well as what it's like to work with Harrison Ford. Uh, We also have our weekly watch club going on for, as we mentioned, it's Star Wars The Bad Batch, uh, which you can enjoy every single Wednesday after the episode drops on Disney+. And we've got our watch club currently going on for HBO's The Last of Us, which, as Justin mentioned, every Sunday night, 10 p.m. Eastern time, right after the episode uh, finishes, you can you know, hear our thoughts. We've got our Ant-Man and the Wasp coverage coming soon. We are very excited uh, to potentially have some opportunities to do some coverage uh, for that movie, uh, which we're very excited for. And, uh, and and yeah, you can hear any interviews that come up either on the podcast service of your choice or you can check out our lovely faces on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. And uh, later this week, you know, speaking of Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, obviously we're leading into the next phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, we had a wonderful sort of Look back at uh, Marvel Phase One to Four, uh, as well as our, you know, our, 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 you know, the the heights, our favorite aspects of Marvel uh, Phase One to Four, as well as sort of uh, uh, what might have disappointed us, what didn't quite work, and then of course what we're looking most forward to uh, in the next chapter of the cinematic universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So definitely. Check out that podcast as well. That was a lot of fun. Go give all those episodes a like, a listen. Be sure to comment. Leave us a five-star review if you don't mind. Justin, thank you so much for joining me for today's propane and propane accessory. Um, I can't do it. I can't do it properly. Propane Uh, propane and propane propane accessory needs. Propane accessory filled episode. Uh, And as as we say, love you. Peace.